I am the president of the Viktor Frankl Institute of Logotherapy South Africa. The title of our discussion is The Golden Thread of Meaning Throughout Our Lives. My aim in giving this series in logotherapy is to speak to you, my students, in the first place, to enhance your learning and to get you into what is a very detailed study of a subject I'm just touching on in the video. But because what we're talking about is of such relevance to everyone, I have also invited the viewer to be sharing these wonderful truths with us. Today, in concentrating on this golden thread of meaning that runs throughout our lives, it fundamentally is a look at the unquenchable spirit of the human being, always in search of meaning and connection, right from birth. You know, I had the experience in a psychology conference in Rome once we were shown video of two mothers, one who had to give up her baby for adoption and one who had really prepared for and was looking forward to receiving her little one and take it home. It was so striking to see what happened to this newborn baby, only a few hours old. The mother who was going to give up the child for adoption was, of course, she could hardly look at the baby, you know, almost preventing herself from bonding with the child when she would have to part from it and kind of holding it stiff and awkwardly, kind of away from her. But the reaction on the infant was so dramatic. That little body stiffened, almost became immobilized, and out of it came these terrible screaming cries. In contrast to the mother who was looking forward to holding her baby in her arms, when she received her newborn into her arms, you know, it was with such loving embrace, almost like saying, Oh, yes, my baby, I'm so glad you're here. We've called you by name. You are mine. And it's this the way she held and rocked and spoke to the child. The whole, whole being exuding love that really had such an impression on this baby. You know, it's like the baby softened, almost like in a surrendered kind of a way and was kind of having a, a symbiotic dance with the mother, like a beautiful ballet of unity between the two of them. Not a sound from the infant, cooing with delight. And that shows us that, you know, inherent to us is this great need to connect. And that is what meaning really is about. And to illustrate this, I want to tell you two stories today. The story of Helen Martins. She is a South African sculptress who died some years ago and who lived in a sleepy little village called New Bethesda in the Karoo, in the Cape. 
My husband and I stumbled across her home when we took a turn off that said New Bethesda and just wanted to go and look what it was. And there was her, what is called the Owl House. It's now a historical monument. Why is it called the Owl House? Because that was the sculpture pieces that Helen most loved to sculpt. Owls with big eyes. And as I tell you the story, you'll see why that was her favorite piece of sculpture. Helen was the youngest of ten children, four of whom died, and her mother never recovered from Helen's birth and died a few months after. The father blamed Helen for her mother's death and actually gave her the name of a dead sibling. His rejection of Helen, his emotional abuse of Helen, and which was exacerbated by showing such favoritism to one of the other sisters, really caused deep emotional anguish and scarring in Helen's personality. In fact, she was timid. She always felt she was the ugly duckling. She was afraid to move out of the house, whereas when all the other siblings had left, especially the favorite sister who traveled the world and sent Helen postcards of camels in Egypt and what have you, Helen was the only one left with her father. It was only when her father died that Helen came to life as if this heavy yoke of condemnation and rejection had been lifted off her. But you know what she did? Her father stayed in a bedroom on the outside of the house. Helen painted that entire bedroom pitch black, even the windows, and on top of the door she wrote, The Lion's Den. Helen could not deal in coming to terms with her father or in any way forgiving or reconciling to him, even in a therapeutic way. She had to shut this perpetrator away into a dark space. And Helen's story from then on was a struggle against darkness. As a child, she adored candles. And now that she was released from her father, Helen began to create light in whichever way she could. You know what she did? She took broken pieces of different colored glass and plastered her walls with it. She put mirrors everywhere and she had hundreds of candles and lamps that she would light at night so that it it reflected in the windows. It was light in the darkness. And this was the symbolism of the owl. Because what does an owl do? An owl can see in the dark. And Helen became the first expositor of what is called outsider art, usually done by artists on the fringes of society as outcasts, you know, alien to society. And it is so remarkable that Helen took throwaway things like pieces of wire and glass and cement and galvanized iron to make her sculpture pieces. And they were all facing east, which she called Mecca. 
you know, like her sister conjured up this image of a faraway beautiful land and all of them were on their road to Mecca. Like she had this dream, and especially because she lived in a very dogmatic Calvinist society that really did regard her as an outcast and treated her as such. That narrow-minded type of Christianity almost drove her to think that Mecca would be different. But the story of her life is so incredible. It was written up by Sue Ross and entitled, This is my world. You know, I've not stayed a helpless victim of the oppression and the victimization I was subjected to, but I freed myself from it, even though it took a great struggle and it was always there, but I lived my life despite it and created something of beauty out of things that were thrown away and ugly. It was really a transformation of her own person. It is this will to meaning that we elicit in logotherapy that has such transformational power. Because in the end, Sue Ross wrote about Helen, that this little flame of self, so tenuous, so flickering, was a burst into light. Remember Frankel seeing that light lit up in a distant farmhouse when he asked whether suffering has got any meaning, ultimate meaning at all? What is the ultimate meaning of it in Helen's life that it provoked that power of the human spirit to rise beyond its circumstances and to illustrate two very, very important principles of logotherapy, which is that every person has got unconditional worth to start out with. Every child born into this world is born into it pure. Not evil, pure. It's the hurts that are inflicted on the child's life that makes for emotional ill health and emotional maladaptation and going off the road in, in devious kinds of wrongdoing. That is actually the cause of it. Hurt from quarters that transmit a wrong message to the child, like it did to Helen. You're rejectionable, you're ugly, you shouldn't have been born, you've got nothing to give. That is the agony that Helen defiantly overcame as she stepped into her own life and actually took masterful control of it. All of uh, Helen's sculptures, you know, the glass walls, was not made for touching. Everything was made for sight. And, you know, she had a, a one friend that one day visited New Bethesda. Actually, her story was captured in a film called The Road to Mecca. Came across, like we did, uh, this friend of hers, to this owl house. There was a wire script on her high wire fences saying, This is my world. <laughs> and... She formed a friendship with this a woman that got was so fascinated and actually taken up by and challenged by Helen that they became very good friends and it was a sustaining power in Helen's life. But she confessed to, her name was Jill Hillman, when she was late into her 70s and when her hands began to be crippled with arthritis, 
making it difficult to sculpt, and her eyesight was failing her. She said, if the doctor would tell me that I should lay off working, I will die, and immediately. Because this was the way she held on to life. Like she said in the form, if you ever could see it, she uh, actually confronted the, the pastor of this little Calvinist village to say, I have banished darkness, you know. <laughs> but she said, I know that I will be dying halfway on my road to dreams because she didn't get the kind of full acceptance that she was looking for, the full acknowledgement. But despite that, she could rise to such heights. And when Jill Hillman asked her if she was afraid of dying, she said, now, my darling, if you're reaching my age, dying isn't the problem. Living is. I would hate to live dying. And how many people live dying? That is Helen Martin's story, such an illustration just through somebody out there's life telling us how strong the will to meaning is and how true it is that it is the fundamental urge of human nature. And I want to then tell you a second story, and this is of a client that came into a therapy with one of my colleagues who did logotherapy with her. She was a young girl and she was very severely depressed. In fact, she lay in a fetal position, almost as if to go back to the womb and start life all over again. And her family couldn't get her to come to get out of bed. Eventually, she could be encouraged enough to come and see my colleague, Professor Cora Moore, who started my first logotherapy training at the University of South Africa with me. And they had about four months of intensive logotherapy. And at the end of it, Cora asked her, having brought all kinds of plants and flowers from her garden and spreading it out on the table between them, to make an arrangement of how she saw her life now. And, you know, it was such a graphic description from what it is like when you are victimized in a position of depression or despair to what it is like when you come alive again with meaning and purpose in your life that I want to share her perceptions with you, and I will read it to you. She portrayed all of this, and, and, and Cora wrote it all down, and what a legacy this girl left us in understanding what heals us. She described, you know, she took out first of all one long dead stem and put it into the vase. And she said, this is the depression that has died. And things that go hand in hand with the depression. What was that? Listen to this. What it is actually a description of a life that is, is, is fumbling and struggling to find meaning and is actually threatened by a sense of meaninglessness. Uninvolvement. Involvement totally with yourself and negativity. Insecurity and worry. Emotionality. 
basically anything connected with the self that is of a negative nature, right? You see life through the eyes of a dark, dark prison, and it distorts life. And you think that that is what life is, but it is actually a misinterpretation. She describes it as like a dying plant scorched by the sun, losing its green color and turning yellow or lacking a sufficient amount of potassium from the soil. Now, isn't that riveting? Her will to meaning was suppressed and she couldn't reach out to ultimate meaning. There was a scorching sun pressing her into a victimized state. And she goes on, it's, it's, depression has to do with pain, sorrow, doubt, fear. Listen to this, a sense of non-existence, like the color white, a neutral color, neutral in the sense that you feel a non-entity, someone without confidence or color or uniqueness about yourself, too scared to venture out, too scared to do things for yourself, docile. Someone who is not prepared to take too many risks. Well, she was virtually describing her depression as dying away from life and all that gave it vitality and meaning, and therefore in her disconnected state, being thrown back only on herself, right? And so when she had a few wonderful sessions of logotherapy with my friend and colleague, Look what, you know, the sort of flowers that then she began to put in the vase and she described it. The developing of new interests, better interaction with people, a change in the inclination to withdraw into yourself and only to be concerned with yourself. There is growth, there is color, an ultimate goal, a lot of thoughts and about and plans for the future, what you would like to become. Something special that you'd like to work towards, dreams and aspirations, green representing hope. Like if you stood on a beach watching the sunset, you dream, you think towards the future. That is a meaning-orientatedness. You move away from the pain, the sorrow, the doubt, the fear. Every day, hope develops a bit more. Belief in yourself develops. You slowly become more confident. You let go, relax. You're not as paranoid as before. And your close ones, your family, the people you encounter that you've known for years will notice the change. You've got an ability now to love and to be loved in a close and intimate sense. And you are someone full of surprises. Unexpected may arise. You know, you surprise yourself with your originality, with your creativity. You say, where did that come from? You, you know, we don't know what strengths we have, what has been invested in us. James Hillman calls it the acorn theory that at the beginning, the potential is there at full, in full to develop into a mighty oak tree, right? If you just respond to life in the right way. So she said, you can rise to the occasion and meet whatever is required of you. Remember what Frankl said? It's not what we expect from life, but what life is expecting and requiring from us. And she said, feeling quite comfortable, you know, now. Not afraid. Unique. She said, everyone has a color about him or herself. Everyone has her own character. 
own abilities. Frankel says each one of us is singularly and absolutely unique, irreplaceable. You know, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. It's when we really fit into what we're called to be in the circumstances in which we've been placed that our uniqueness and irreplaceability begin to shape into a very unique mission and destiny in life. So look what you said. I feel I have a lot to give to my environment, to my home, to family and everything else. And I've got the ability to make new. What is she saying here? She was opening up and tuning into life again. She found life leaping up from inside herself again, right? This wellspring of living waters, the world to meaning bubbling up in you as you reach out to meet life as it stretches its hand out to you. And you take it and you make connection and your life is turned around into a life of victory. Thank you. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.